You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Hi, this is Pastor Chris Tyen from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. And today I want to talk to you about experiencing the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So, number one, I can experience the power and presence of the Holy Spirit when I know He is available. If you don't know it's the Holy Spirit working in your life, you might just think that when you're sharing Jesus with people, that you're just really good at presenting the gospel. If you uh, feel convicted of sin, instead of saying, oh, the Holy Spirit's convicting me of sin, you might just say, well, I have a real sensitive conscience. I'm really uh, tuned in to when I make mistakes. I'm overly sensitive, maybe. Uh, When you um, are being prompted to do things, uh, you might just say, well, you know, I had some intuition, uh, my gut feeling. But the Holy Spirit is so much more than that, and the Holy Spirit deserves credit when credit is due. You can experience the power and presence of the Holy Spirit when you know He is available. So what if you moved into a new home or apartment, and to save money, you suffered with the average 6.6 megabit per second internet, not realizing there was free wireless NASA, like the space agency, Wi-Fi, With 91,000 megabits per second, that's 13,000 times faster than the normal internet. Uh, What if it was freely available to you if you could just log in, if you just had the password? Uh, Wouldn't you love using that? Wouldn't that just make your work and your school and your research and your uh, binge watching and all that uh, watching videos on Right Now Media, all that kind of stuff? You're sending up your YouTube videos. Wouldn't that just be so much better? You know, if you could just log in. Do you know the Holy Spirit is available? Do you know what the Holy Spirit does in our life? The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and helps us to realize our need for Jesus. The Holy Spirit regenerates so that we can be born again and equipped for eternal life. The Holy Spirit indwells believers. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ and seals us securely in Christ, guaranteeing our redemption and eternal security. The Holy Spirit gives us at least one spiritual gift to serve the Lord and to serve others, especially in the church. The Holy Spirit can fill us over and over so we can be controlled by the Spirit and become more like Jesus, making us more effective in living the Christian life and making a difference in the world. And the Holy Spirit teaches, guides, assures, helps us pray, even intercedes for us in prayer when we don't know what to pray. So many things to be excited about in the Holy Spirit. And if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got the Holy Spirit. Are you yielding to the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit? Are you guided, directed, and indwelled by the Holy Spirit? Pentecost Sunday. That's what's on the church calendar for today. Pentecost Sunday. And the study of the Holy Spirit is called pneumatology. Uh, Pneuma, like pneumatic air tools, pneumatic pellet guns, pneumatic tires, uh, pneumatic, pneuma, air, wind, spirit. So Pentecost is a Sunday on the church calendar that remembers and celebrates when the Holy Spirit showed up to bring the New Testament church online. And John the Baptist foretold it. In Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist said, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy to even be a slave and carry his sandals. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That would be Jesus. A fire, fire of purification. Jesus shared the Holy Spirit was coming to help. In the English Standard Version, uh, this next verse gets translated as helper. In the NIV or New Living Translation, it gets translated as advocate. And the Christian Standard Bible translates as counselor. Um, but before uh, Jesus was crucified, he said the plan is, is the Holy Spirit is coming to help you, counsel you, advocate for you. Uh, John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or counselor or helper to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And then John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit is given to us to help us to know what to do, help us know uh, the things that Jesus thinks are important, to help us to know uh, the right way to live, to help us know what to teach others, and so many other things. And so Jesus told his followers, apostles, uh, Jesus told them to sit tight and wait for the Holy Spirit to arrive. You know, the Holy Spirit showed up at the perfect time when there was crowds gathered for uh, Pentecost. So actually Pentecost was a time when all the Jews would gather and they would celebrate uh, the Feast of Weeks. Uh, it was 50 days from the time of the, the Passover wave offering, and it was a celebration they had. So they were all in town for this great celebration. And it was during that time when everybody was gathered together that God thought that it was perfect time for the Holy Spirit to show up. And anyway, Jesus had told uh, his apostles to just sit tight, just wait until it's time for the Holy Spirit to show up. So it's interesting that in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit would show up for periods of time to accomplish certain purposes. So the Holy Spirit would show up and then the Holy Spirit would leave. When David sinned, I think it's in Psalm 51, uh, he prays, uh, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, which was a thing. Uh, now in the New Testament, now that the Holy Spirit has come, we get the Holy Spirit and he's promising to stay. He stays with us. Can I just take a time out and just pray? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you've given me this opportunity. Jesus, I thank you so much that you have paved the way, that you taught us how to live. You died on the cross. You rose again. You care about us. You intercede for us. Uh, you're coming back. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that I have an opportunity to talk about you, and I pray that you would empower me to have the right words to say, uh, say it the right way, say just enough, um, but uh, not too little, so that people would be drawn to uh, uh, celebrate you, to follow after you, to be filled by you and empowered by you. And thank you. Uh, Holy Spirit, please help me now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 1, verse 3. During the 40 days after he suffered, after Jesus suffered and died, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. We're talking about the Holy Spirit here. Uh, verse 5, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? 
verse 7. He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. Verse 8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, you're going to receive power to fulfill my purposes, Jesus says. You're going to receive courage and the ability and the right words to say. Uh, You're going to stand up against persecution. You're going to know uh, where to go and when to go there. And the Holy Spirit is going to guide you and direct you. Uh, You will receive power, Holy Spirit power. We need just power, Holy Spirit power, even to live the Christian life. We can't do it on our own. And that was a promise they looked forward to. So when it says baptized by the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit can be defined as the work whereby the Spirit of God places the believer into union with Christ and into union with other believers in the body of Christ at the moment of salvation. 1 Corinthians 12.12, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ, and the church is the body of Christ, and we're all to be part of that. Verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. The Holy Spirit, the whole church needs the Holy Spirit. Every Christ follower needs the Holy Spirit. Every believer in Christ has the Holy Spirit. Now the question is, does the Holy Spirit have them? Does the Holy Spirit have all of them? So just as promised, the Holy Spirit showed up. Once upon a time, there was a great wind, a mighty life-giving energy that breathed everything into existence, a power that moved along the waters of the deep, the Spirit of God. One day, a group who loved God was praying and meeting, celebrating a Jewish feast with friends and family, unaware of what was going to happen. Heaven was about to pay a visit. A violent wind filled the room where they prayed. Tongues of fire descended, separated, and rested on each of them. The Spirit of God didn't just come near them. The Spirit filled them. And each one began to speak in a foreign language. The many languages of all the people who lived in Jerusalem. All those who passed by marveled at what they saw. How could it be that each one could hear their own native language at the same time? Some claimed it was miraculous. Others scoffed and called them drunk. But Peter stepped forward and boldly proclaimed the truth. What the scripture described long ago had now come to pass right before their eyes. I will pour out my spirit, the Lord told his people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Here was the moment. The power of God filled the faithful. The body of Christ rose up, alive and active, equipped and empowered to love God, to love others. The good news continues to be proclaimed. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the best news is, for those who believe, the story never ends.
So let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I'll read this out of the New Living Translation because I like the way it reads. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Did you notice here in the New Living Translation, instead of using the word speaking in tongues, it says in other languages? It's because here in the Greek, it's talking about other known languages. It's not talking about unknown languages. Here, tongues should be understood as different languages, not unknown languages like in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, and it also says no interpreter was required. So in Acts chapter 2 verse 6, it says, When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Uh, verse 8 then says, Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? The people that were there in hearing said, so Peter, who fearfully denied Jesus less than two months before he was filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, is then going to preach a powerful message. So the Holy Spirit has come upon him, and he is going to share uh, what Jesus came to do, who Jesus was, and what God's plan was. Acts 2.14, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. He preaches an awesome, a powerful, a courageous message. Not a message that you would expect from somebody that was in a courtyard, uh, hiding away, uh, quick to deny Jesus. Uh, Peter uh, shared about who Jesus is and what he has done. Uh, basically, he answered there, uh, what just happened? Questions. All right. Henry Blackaby, in Experiencing the Spirit, the Power of Pentecost Every Day, writes, Will God ever ask you to do something you are not able to do? The answer is yes, all the time. It must be that way for God's glory and kingdom. If we function according to our ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power of the Spirit within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to our watching world. You know, I remember uh, when I was going to Crown College that uh, Dr. Phil Peterson was one of the professors, and he said when God calls you to do something, he's going to call you to do something above and beyond yourself. He's going to call you to do something that you couldn't do on your own, so that when it's been accomplished, you don't go, oh, look what I did for God. Instead, you'll go, wow, look what God did through me, and God will get all the glory. And uh, it was many, many years ago that I went to Crown College, but I still remember that. And that is a good word. That is good advice. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter and, said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Uh, when the Holy Spirit convicts, it does cut to the heart. I don't know if you've ever been convicted, felt convicted of sin or uh, missed opportunity or anything like that by the Holy Spirit. But uh, these people were cut to the heart and said, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter quickly had the answer. That's a good answer for us, too. Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So I just want to point out that baptism, water baptism, is something that we should do because Jesus modeled it and Jesus commanded it and the New Testament church did it. Uh, however, water baptism doesn't save you. Water baptism is something that you should do because you're saved. Uh, being baptized in the Spirit uh, is similar, but it's different. So anyway, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. You know, that was a couple thousand years ago. So we're pretty far off, aren't we? We're like 2,000 years off. Uh, how long will it be until Jesus returns? Will they come back in the year 3000? How far off will these people be that are receiving the Holy Spirit and accepting this promise? The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3000 of them were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is the beginning of the New Testament church. This is how the church started. This is what churches do, is they devote themselves to teaching and fellowship and to communion and praying, uh, sharing meals too. Uh, fellowship uh, is synonymous with food. But uh, verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles which gave them authority at that period of time. I personally think that we can be a successful church and we can live um, powerful lives in Jesus without needing to see many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. There's some people that run around and say that there are apostles for today. Um, if an apostle is somebody that uh, is like a missionary that has lots of spiritual gifts that can make things happen, maybe. But uh, actually, apostles that do miracles, I think that was for that time. So uh, be careful of people who are seeking after signs and wonders all the time. Do you know that Satan can count, have come up with counterfeit signs and wonders? So just because somebody does you know, something that looks miraculous, uh, some kind of sign and wonder doesn't necessarily mean it's of God. So anyway, verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a great celebration. What a great time. So basically what's happening here, from what I understand from Bible scholars and what makes a lot of sense to me, is that these believers were, these new believers were in town for this uh, religious celebration for the Feast of Pentecost, for this, for this celebration they came to town for. And they needed to get back. They only had so much money for their journey. They didn't really have places lined up to stay. Um, and then the Holy Spirit shows up and they get saved. And now God wants them to stick around. The Holy Spirit wants them to stick around and to learn from uh, the apostles what this message is, to train them up. So they're going to need a place to stay. They're going to need food. Somehow they're going to have to fund that. Somehow the believers that are around are going to have to do something to accommodate them. So they spent all this time in like emergency training sessions. And once they got trained up, then they were sent back home into all the different parts of the world, that known world that they lived in. And that was how the message of the gospel spread. So these people were willing to sell their property. They were willing to share anything as, had needed, as they had needed because, one, they wanted to see these new believers 
uh, go out with a message and tell everybody they knew. And two, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit empowers you, uh, you are much less likely to be selfish. You're much less likely to um, say no to the thing that the Spirit of God wants to do. You know, do you read things in Bible commentaries and you're like, man, that was really good. I wish I would have thought to say it that way. Uh, I'm just going to say it the way it says in the Life Application Bible Commentary about uh, Peter's answer to the people's questions about what must we do. Number one, turn from your sins. In other words, repent. It is a basic and wholehearted change of mind that results in a change of purpose, direction, and values. The words each of you remind the listener and the modern reader that this message is for all. Everyone needs to make a decision about Christ. His offer is the only effective solution for the sin that plagues every descendant of Adam. Number two, turn to God. In addition to turning from sin, people must turn to God. It does no good to turn from sin without turning then to the one who can solve the sin problem. Three, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. For believers, baptism is visible proof of repentance and commitment to follow Jesus the Messiah. The idea of baptism for the forgiveness of sins does not mean that baptism results in forgiveness of sins, but rather that Forgiveness of sins as a result of accepting Jesus as Savior should result in a baptism. An outward display of an inner conviction. That's like my wedding ring, an outward display of an inner commitment. Um, repentance, not baptism, is what brings forgiveness. And number four, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Only through the coming of the Holy Spirit into believers' hearts can they truly experience forgiveness of sin. The gift of the Holy Spirit, not multiple or varied gifts, but rather a singular gift, is the Spirit himself. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God. As Jesus had promised, he is the comforter and the one who guides his people. That's so well said. So well said. So you're hearing this, and you're like, so what must I do to be saved? Seriously, Chris, what, what do I have to do to be saved? Uh, you need to acknowledge that you are a sinner out of God's will and to acknowledge that Jesus Christ came. He lived among us and he died on the cross for our sins and he rose again. Uh, you need to be willing to turn from your sin and start to follow Jesus. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you like to call on the name of the Lord today? Would you pray with me if you'd like to uh, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Dear Jesus, I thank you that I can hear this message and be able to respond to it today. I am a sinner, and I know that you died on the cross for sin so that I could be made right with God. So please forgive me of my sin and come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. I want to follow you and learn your ways. Jesus, I thank you. Amen. Or something similar to that. Number two, number two, I can experience the power and presence of the Holy Spirit when I yield control of my life, when I yield control of my life, when I want to follow after the ways of the Spirit instead of following the ways of myself. Look at Romans 8, 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Verse 10. 
But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. This is a verse that proves that we all have the Holy Spirit. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, then we are not in Christ. Let's look at Romans 8 verse 14 now. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. So the Holy Spirit puts us in a right relationship with the Heavenly Father so that we call Him our Daddy, Abba, Father. You know, if you want to look more at uh, what Christ has done about sanctification, about the way we should consider ourselves dead to sin, you need to turn back to Romans 6. Let's move to being sealed in the Spirit. So, sealed in the Spirit to guarantee our salvation, to help us to know that we're going to get through this life and be put right uh, in our relationship, our salvation, to experience our salvation. Ephesians 1.13 And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. Saves you from what? Saves you from the penalty of your sin. Saves you from an empty life. Saves you from eternity in hell. Saves you from separation from God. The good news that God saves you, and when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised, and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. So, why does God work in our life? Why does God give us the Holy Spirit? So that we will be in a right relationship, so that we will praise and glorify Him. God created us to glorify Him. Did you know that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, that we can disappoint the Holy Spirit by the things that we do? Let's be careful not to do that. Let's be careful to know that the Holy Spirit who is stuck with us the Holy, as believers, the Holy Spirit has been given to us and He can't abandon us, He won't leave us, uh, can be grieved, can be disappointed. Uh, his voice can get fainter and fainter as we continue hardened in sin, calloused in sin. Anyway, Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So, that idea that uh, by the actions that we do, by the sin in our lives, by the way we treat other people inside and outside of the church, it can bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has personality. The Holy Spirit can be saddened by the way that we live. And as we continue to battle our sinful nature, we should be living for Christ each day. To refuse to do so, to constantly give in to lying, anger, stealing, and foul talk is to bring Him sorrow. So we need to remember to live lives that glorify God and honor the Holy Spirit and uh, live for Jesus. Uh, we're supposed to be Christ ambassadors, actually, ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation. We're supposed to represent Christ in the things that we do. THINK is a great, T-H-I-N-K, is a great acronym to think about uh, when we are about to let words come out of our mouths. Uh, we don't want to be gossipy. We don't want to be slanderous. We don't want to uh, cut people down. So, T, is it truthful? 
H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? Be kind to each other, tenderhearted and forgiving each other. So as soon as you realize that you've sinned, uh, when the Holy Spirit brings it to mind that you've sinned, you confess that. You confess that to the Lord. 1 John 1, 9, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we would pray something like this. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of uh, lying and exaggerating. Uh, The Holy Spirit has brought it to mind that on that fishing trip, while I was in the boat, I uh, told the big whopper and uh, wasn't truthful. And the next time I see those guys, I'll let them know that that sunfish was not that big. So uh, I don't know why I say that or why I get prideful like that. But Lord, please forgive me a lying and help me not to do it again. I want to live in your will and be blessed by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So you confess those sins uh, to purify us from all unrighteousness. So all believers have the Holy Spirit. Uh, Let him fill you with his presence and power. Empty your sinful, selfish living and let the Holy Spirit fill you with his righteousness, with his purpose for living, and his power for serving. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine. What happens when you're drunk with wine? You lose control. You're under the control of the wine. You say things that uh, you might not even remember. Say things that might be crazy. Say things that might be funny. Uh, But you basically lose control. Uh, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Uh, that can happen. So the Bible doesn't condemn actually drinking unless you're causing your brother or sister to stumble. If you're causing someone that's an addict to fall back into addiction because you're drinking alcohol, then you should stop drinking alcohol so you don't cause them to stumble. But the Bible does condemn drunkenness. Do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit and still be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Filling describes an experience that can be repeated, uh, controlled by wine or controlled by the Spirit. That's the question you need to ask yourself. Uh, D.L. Moody, great man of God, (laughs) over 100 years ago. Anyway, he writes, I firmly believe that the moment our hearts are emptied of selfishness and ambition and self-seeking and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will come and fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit, ambition and self-seeking, pleasure and the world, there's no room for the Spirit of God. I also believe that many a man is praying to God to fill him when he is full already with something else. He says, before we pray that God would fill us, I believe we ought to pray that he would empty us. There must be an emptying before there can be a filling. And when the heart is turned upside down, everything that is contrary to God is turned out. Then the Spirit will come. All right, so uh, we need to confess any known sin. We need to yield our selfish will, and we need to ask to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Have you prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to fill you? Uh, When I first came to Christ, I didn't know all the theological terms. I didn't know all the right things to do. But I did receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And as I started to learn more about Him, um, you know, because Jesus is Lord and Savior, then I prayed I'm not sure this is even theologically correct, but I prayed to make him Lord of my life. It was a secondary thing. I prayed that, uh, yes, thank you for saving me. I want to uh, make you ruler, controller, director of my life. And then I prayed about what I should do with my life. And shortly after that, I felt like he was in high school. I felt like he was calling me to full-time Christian ministry, which was a surprise to me. So nothing I had expected. I was like thinking computers, auto body, forestry, something. Um, But no, ministry. Ha, shocker. Nonetheless, um, 
you and I have an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but maybe we don't have it because we don't ask for it. So again, confess any known sin, empty yourself of your own selfish desires and your self-will, and pray something like this. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you want to guide, direct, and control my life. And I pray that you would help me to empty my selfish, sinful ambitions, and that you would fill me and empower, with, empower me with, my, with your Holy Spirit, and that uh, you would keep doing it over and over and over again so I could experience that powerful, Spirit-filled life that you offer. In Jesus' name, amen. Or something like that. Uh, and make a commitment, uh, make a decision that you want to be filled by the Spirit, and you want to keep being filled by the Holy Spirit. You know, you can take the Holy Spirit to work with you. I think I'm out of time, but I'm going to keep going anyway. You can take the Holy Spirit to work with you. Here's what I'll do, is I'll make point number three really short. Uh, I think this is kind of important. I think the Holy Spirit wants me to share it because it worked for me. So we think of the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God, and they're important in our lives, especially when it comes to church. But we segregate that compartment of our life, and we're like, that's the church compartment. And we have our hobby department, and we have our sports and uh, you know, the things that we really admire department. Um, and we have work, you know, and surely we don't want to take God to work with us because that would be weird, right? But no, you can take the Holy Spirit to work with you. He cares about you in every area of your life. He cares about uh, your devotional life. He cares about the way that you live your Christian life. And he also cares about the kind of worker you are. He cares about you being successful at work. So do you pray that the Holy Spirit would help you to be successful at work? I would pray for help with marketing and sales promotions ideas. I would pray for success with customer relationships. And I would pray about manufacturing problems and the Holy Spirit helped in all of those areas. Matter of fact, I was so successful that some of the um, upper management leaders, even the president of the company, they're like, Chris, how do you come up with these ideas? And I said, well, I was praying about it and the Holy Spirit brought it. And they're like, what? And they thought I was kind of like a naive religious nut. Uh, it didn't go over very well. So then I said, well, I was inspired the next time. I should have given full credit uh, back to the Holy Spirit. But I would come up with these really great ideas where I would call people at just the right time or I would do, I could tell you stories. Uh, maybe I already did tell you stories in past messages. But nonetheless, take the Holy Spirit to work with you. And I even found some uh, backup support from A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance in the book Filled with the Spirit. He writes, Again, Christ will fill all the situations of providence and all the needs that arise in our secular callings and the circumstances of our daily lives. What is work? Secular calling. What is school? Secular calling. He says, there is not one of them that may not be recognized as coming from him and meant to prove his all-sufficiency in some new direction. Oh, had we the faith to see God in everything as it meets us day by day, every chapter of life's history would be a new story of the romance of heavenly love in its magical power to transform darkness into light, difficulty into triumph, sorrow into joy, and earthly into heavenly. And Christ would be enabled to manifest himself in his grace and power to innumerable witnesses who never hear of him from a pulpit or read the story of his grace in anything else but human lives in whom they could thus behold him. Again, Christ will fill our capacities for happiness. He is the fullness of our peace and joy. He is the true portion of the souls that he has made and wholly filled with him. There is no room for either care or fear. So 
Number three, and I'll make this point really short. I can experience the power and presence of the Holy Spirit when I share with others, when I share my faith with others, when I share my testimony with others, when I share what God's doing in my life with others, when I share answers to prayer with others, when I share how the Lord helped me through really hard times in my life, through difficult times, through the death of a child, through uh, grief or uh, the uncertainties of the past or the uncertainties of the future. Uh, you got any uncertainties for the future? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, we're told, Matthew 28, 19, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very ends of the age. And again, in Acts 1, 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. So uh, J.D. Greer uh, was, had this list of things that were important with the filling of God beyond uh, spiritual gifts, he has empowered each of us to testify, to share our faith. The Holy Spirit does a lot of things in Luke and Acts, but the main thing he does is fill people to preach. In fact, anytime you see someone filled with the Spirit, they proclaim the Word of God to others. So, um, and he has his list. So, in Luke 1.15, John the Baptist, being filled with the Spirit, proclaims the coming of the Lord. Luke 1.41, Elizabeth, being filled with the Spirit, proclaimed the blessings over Mary. Luke 1.67, Zechariah, being filled with the Spirit, prophesied about the coming glory of Jesus. Acts 2.4, the Holy Spirit fills the apostles at Pentecost, and they begin to declare God's praises in multiple languages. Acts 4.8, Peter is filled with the Spirit and preaches to the rulers that Jesus is their only hope of salvation. Acts 4.31, the disciples are filled with the Spirit and they speak the word of God boldly in the face of severe persecution. Acts 9.20, Paul is filled with the Spirit and immediately begins to preach in the synagogues. So, uh, would your story be in there? Would, uh, would they go? And Chris Tyen uh, regularly proclaims God's word to others or fill in your name. Uh, do you try to bring people to Jesus? Uh, what excuses do you have? Uh, I don't have time. I don't know what to say. I'm not a good example. So, two convictions of the effective witness. One, the Spirit of God is constantly at work around you, preparing people. And two, the Spirit of God uses you to speak the Word of God. And that's it. Uh, that's it. That's a good, actually, way to end a message. So, but let me just share this Spurgeon quote, and then I will be done. I'll be done talking about the Holy Spirit. Though you can study pneumatology and learn a lot more about the Holy Spirit who loves you and cares about you and is in the Christian's life. All right, Spurgeon says, Charles Spurgeon, Prince of, Pre Prince of Baptist Preachers, if Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep your good news to yourself. You will be whispering it into your child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband. You will be earnestly imparting it to your friend. Without the charm of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of Jesus' sweet love. Okay, I lied. Let me just go with one more verse and then I'll be done. Okay, I promise. All right, First Thessalonians 1. We'll take it like a benediction, okay? Uh, verse Chapter 1, verse 4, from the New Living Translation. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. Not only does the Holy Spirit give you what to say, but he prepares the hearts and ears of the people that hear, that are listening to what you are saying so that they can have full assurance that what you're saying is true. So go and share your faith. 
yield your life to the Holy Spirit and be filled and know that the Holy Spirit is active in your life and praise and glorify God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as you live your Christian life and make a difference in the world. All right, so River Rock Church is fully supported by the people who contribute. So people who give online at riverrockchurch.com or people who mail in their offerings to River Rock Church, P.O. Box 184, Bell Plain, Minnesota, uh, 56011. Uh, the only support we have is through those who uh, attend and those who care about uh, River Rock Church. So actually, uh, we have a few, quite a few people who we found out about that we didn't know about that watch online, that don't even come to our church, but they are uh, watching online. And uh, some of them are giving now because they're watching online, and we appreciate that. And I want to just point out that my video feed, what you're watching is kind of weird because it's being recorded in my basement, in my little, my little makeshift studio. So we are meeting on Sundays at 10, at 9.30 a.m., meeting at 9.30 a.m. at Oldenburg's Restaurant uh, on Main Street in Belle Plaine at 9.30 a.m. for about an hour. And uh, um, we can fit like 70-some, maybe more people in there. And we invite you to come to that. And uh, we are looking for a church building that uh, meets our needs, but currently we can't rent the school and we haven't found a suitable space. We've tried to rent space, buy space, uh, we own some land, but it's really expensive to build space. So uh, about $2 million is the price tag to build a building out on our church land right now. So uh, pray for us in that. Uh, God's not limited by funds, but currently we are. So uh, anyway, uh, summertime, our groups, some of them are taking a break now. We've got a men's group and a women's group and a Bible quizzing team and youth group. Actually, youth group is still going on. They had a lot of kids last week. That was really exciting. I'm excited for what our church does with youth ministry. But we would love to hear your prayer requests. Uh, send them to riverrockchurch.com slash pray. Uh, there's a form on there or an email link so that you can uh, share with us your prayer requests or your praises. Uh, you can watch more messages online at riverrockchurch.com slash watch or listen, uh, riverrockchurch.com slash listen. So those are all opportunities. But again, I'm, uh, I'm out of time and I hope to actually see you in person. That would be awesome. So uh, the benefit to coming to an in-person gathering is the fellowship and the encouragement. I don't preach the message exactly the same, so there's always something that you can gain from it. This is Pastor Chris Tyne from River Rock Church, and you have a blessed week. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.